Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. If you have a Bible, grab it out. Book of Judges, chapter 7. And we're going to read this morning about uh, one of my favourite Bible characters by the name of Gideon. And we're going to come into his story um, a little bit after... Uh, some of the moments where we might be more um, familiar with with his journey. There's a moment uh, early in the book of Judges, in fact, one chapter earlier than what we're about to read, where he's found in a wine press and he's he's threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord turns up and encourages him to go about his life and his journey and the battle that God has got him on. And then he complains. He says, oh, my, my, my tribe is the least in the nation and my clan is the least in my tribe. And my family is the least in my clan. And I'm the least in my family. And then God, the angel of the Lord says, go in the strength that you have. You know, sometimes I think God does selective hearing with our prayers. Have you noticed that? (laughs) That He spent a few minutes complaining and going through all the reasons why He wasn't the one to be chosen. And And then God responded, but go in the strength that you have. And I feel like that's a word for people that are here today. And we're gonna, we're gonna pick up from that moment in the Scriptures. And the Bible says in Judges 7, verse 13, it says, Gideon arrived, uh, this is on the edge of the Midianite army, just as a man had a dream and was telling his friend about that dream. I had a dream, he said. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other, he said. His friend was very convinced. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped God. And that's how we should when we hear from the Lord. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up and go. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into our hands. The Bible then says, dividing the 300 men, his, his army's been whittled down to 300 people, 300 men. In three companies, he placed, now note this, trumpets, jars in the hands of all of them with torches on the inside. The New King James says that he put a trumpet in every man's hand. He gave them a jar, a torch, and a trumpet. And the title of today's message is simply that, a trumpet in every hand. And Father, we pray that You would bless our time, that You would be with us. We're grateful, God, for the church. We're grateful that we can gather today. We're grateful that the church today went to a building and that, Father, we are gathered as Your saints. We're seated here in fellowship, in community. We're grateful for that. Father, we're thankful today for those that have been water baptised. Father, we're encouraged that they are taking a step of faith. I noticed look like two siblings and maybe a mother and a son get baptised today. What an incredible thing to see families make a decision, God, for Your presence in their life. We are grateful for that today. And we pray that You would bless our time, anoint us, we pray in Jesus' Name. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. And this is a great moment because you got, you got Gideon and, and, and if you read the Scripture, it's a bizarre way to find out God's call on his life and what God would do because he walks down and listens to someone else's dream. This is unorthodox. You've got a private conversation between a dreamer and his friend and Gideon is listening. 
This Christian gossip at its absolute finest here today, ladies and gentlemen. And he sneaks down to the campsite and he's listening to this dream. And, and this guy says, man, he says, uh, you know, I had this crazy dream. There was a round loaf of barley bread rolling down the hill and it crashed into my tent and the whole tent was overturned. And, you know, and this is, I think, where like a gluten-free kind of like a philosophy came from. You know, it's like stay away from carbohydrates. The bread is going to destroy the army, you know. <laughs> and, the, and the friend says, and this is funny when friends do this. The friend's like, oh, yeah, oh, this can be nothing other. Whatever your friend's about to say when they say it can be nothing other, you know, it, you know, it could be anything. It could be anything. <laughs> it could actually be, not a metaphor, but a giant loaf of bread about to... Roll into my tent, his friend says, oh, this is nothing other than Gideon, man. He's trouble. He, he's about to destroy the whole, the whole campsite. And Gideon's listening to the enemy telling the story and interpret the dream. And he's on the other side of that tent canvas and he's worshipping God. But, but he's got to be quiet because he's in the enemy's camp. But the Bible says that he bows down and, and he worships God. Have you ever had that moment? There's this great, movie called The Italian Job. And in The Italian Job, there's a character uh, played by Seth Green. And he's like the, he, he's, he invented Napster apparently, you know, in this, in this movie. And he's sitting in the conveyor belt at an airport and he's hacking the system of these uh, traffic lights so that they can steal this gold bullion. And like Charlie Theron and I think um, uh, Mark Wahlberg in the film. And he's sitting there and then, and then he, he, he hacks these traffic lights so they can get away with the gold bullion. And then he goes, woo! And everyone in the airport looks because no one in the airport makes, makes that sound. And then he looks and he goes, I got the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> we do the opposite of that. We give a shout for God, but then we say it's the oilers one, you know what I mean? Like we try and cover up our spirituality with our flesh sometimes. But what a great moment this was. He's woo! And then he's looking, he's like, man, I don't know what, I don't know what these people are gonna believe, but I got the Holy Spirit, you know. And there's this moment where Gideon, he hears the good news of God in the most unlikely of places and he bows down and worships God. Have you ever got good news in the supermarket, in the grocery store? And you wanna thank God and you give this that, like that holy fist pump, you know what I mean? Just like so stoked to get the news. Maybe you sold your house, maybe you got a promotion at work or one of the kids getting good grades at school or one of your kids is just surviving and is just alive and a great kid, you know what I mean? Like, and you can account for all of them, you know, and you're just stoked, you know, you're just so, you're just so happy. And he, he worships God like a silent, like a silent worship unto the Lord. And he hears that, that dream and that interpretation. Then he goes back. The Bible says that he divides the army into three companies and he gives the army weapons that they need to take down the enemy. Now, I'm not about to give you physical weapons today to go and attack the enemy because our, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So what can we take from what God gave Gideon who then gave to his army so we can go and attack our enemy who wants to kill us? Well, we have the sword of the Spirit. We have prayer. We have fellowship. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. All these incredible songs of worship that have been sung on this day. But Gideon in this moment gives these tools, these implements, these weapons. And I'm reading the Scripture and I'm thinking, what, what, what's he doing? Because the Bible says that he gave them firstly a jar, like a jar of clay. My wife has got a degree in fine arts, 
Now, if I could, sometimes when I say that, people think I say finance. And then they come and talk to her about economics afterwards. It always makes me laugh. But she's got a degree in fine arts. And so her degree in fine arts means that she, she does pottery and, and, and does clay work. And it's cool. She does some cool stuff and it's like great. But when she gives it to me, I'm like, amazing. You know what I mean? Like, that's so cool that you made this clay pot. <laughs> and I'm trying to give it back to her. You know, like, where do, where do you want me to put this thing you made for me and us? You know, gives, a, gives them a jar. The Bible then says he gives them a torch, not a flashlight, but imagine a stick with fire at the end. And then he says, cover the torch with the jar. So if I'm in the, now I wouldn't be in the army. <laughs> I wouldn't be one of the 300. Scott would be for sure, you know. <laughs> and any one of Dennis's sons, these guys are all massive. They're in the, they're in the army, no doubt. And then, and, then, and then he gives them a trumpet. When I was in school, we didn't have trumpets that we gave to the students, but I don't know. For some reason, every person went home on this one particular day in the school year with a recorder. <laughs> what were they doing? We have generations of kids growing up tone deaf because of these recorders. <laughs> Music teachers trying to do their very best to teach kids how to blow in this recorder to make it sound good. Mary Had a Little Lamb was just the go-to track for years. And it gives them a jar and a torch and it gives them a trumpet. And I guess my question today is, what can we exegete? What can we draw like water from a well from this picture of what God is doing in the life of Gideon and of His people? I've been given gifts before that I didn't want. And I wonder if these men on this day felt the same way. I wonder if we feel like that when God blesses us, sometimes with the things that we didn't expect. They prayed for a God King, a dynastic Davidic warrior that would come and set the Jewish people free from Roman oppression. And He gave them a baby. God doesn't always go about the things and answer our prayers the way that we might hope that He does. I one time got given a chicken, not to eat, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that at all. A little chicken sandwich, you know, thank you, Jesus but a real life chicken. In fact, I got given three heritage chickens. Who gives chickens? Who's doing that? If you're, if you're that, I got given one time a red flowery apron. I've been given in my life cats. I, I, so you can tell I hate animals so much. I just really, but we get given these gifts and we're thinking to ourselves, what, what, why has this been given to me? And I wonder if these, you know, this, yeah, for sure. We've got some cat haters here on the front row. I appreciate that. Why, why were these men given these things? And as we look in and we break down the Scripture here, let's go through each one and see what we can take from it. The first thing that's given is a jar. The Bible talks a lot about clay and dirt and dust. The Bible says that He's the potter and we are in His hands, that we're nothing but clay brought from the dust, from the dirt of the earth. The Bible says, in fact, Genesis 1 verse 27, it says, God formed a man from the dust of the ground. That we are from the very thing that we walk on. That we, that we are called to be humble creatures, humble subjects, humble tools in His hand. I think about that, that jawbone of that donkey that Samson used to slay a thousand Philistines. That if I could just be a bone, a a, a a jawbone in the hand of a great warrior, that if God could just use me to do great things, if I could humble myself to be used by Him, that's what we read in the, in the Scriptures. 
I imagine a story about like maybe a, maybe a, a doctor that was doing these incredible surgeries and operations and had his favorite scalpel. And at the end of this, the incredible surgery, groundbreaking surgery, someone's life was saved. The media is not pushing in the door to interview the scalpel. But imagine if the scalpel was there waiting to be talked to about the incredible work that he just did. Well, first of all, scalpels can't talk. That might be news for someone here. But no one's asking the tool about the work that's been done. We want to meet the chef. We want to talk to the, the warrior. We want to talk with the doctor. When it comes to God using us, let us humble ourselves to be used by Him. And when great things are done, let us give Him all the praise for the things that are done. Amen. 2 Corinthians says in, in, in chapter 4 and verse 7 that we are jars of clay, that we are those jars, that we're made from the earth. James 5.17 says that Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed that it would not rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. I love that. He was a man just like us, but he prayed. That, that, that juxtaposition of a person who really in and out of our own right, we don't have the ability to do supernatural things. But when we pray and engage God in that process, anything can happen. That these people are here getting baptised today, not because of something that happened today, but because of a seed that was sown and prayers that were prayed. My mum, she's the best, man. My mum's like, well, I won't tell you how old she is, but she's my mum and I'm 39. So, you know, do some maths. She was 24 when she had me. And so my mum, <laughs> my mum's the best, man. She's the best. About two or three years ago, I got a, a, a text from my friend uh, and he's a pastor of a church in New Zealand. And he said, hey, your mum's in church today. I said, well, she's not. So you've got my mum mixed up with someone else. He says, no, 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 for real, it's your mum. She's here. I just preached and there's baptisms and she came to support a friend getting baptised and she's here. I was like, "Photo, I need photo evidence, photo evidence, photo evidence. I got saved at 13 and been praying for my mum for 20 years. He sends a photo of my mum with him. And this is pre-chat GPT. This is pre the ability to just Photoshop. This is legit, you know. And I'm like, what's my mum doing there? He goes, yeah, well, her neighbour got saved and got baptised. She came to support him. His name is Chris and she's here today in the church. Bro, she responded to Jesus and she, she prayed the prayer and she's got a Bible and she's, bro, she, it's on, we're on. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't know my mum. <laughs> you know, we, we tw two decades of prayer, not enough. How stupid is that? That it's unbelievable news to the person who's been praying the prayers that would make it believable. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't even know. She FaceTimes me from a cafe an hour later. She's like, hey, she's gone. She's like, hey, I went to church. I was like, whoa. And I'm like, whoa, crazy. That's crazy. You know, trying to act surprised, you know. <laughs> no way. Which one? You know, like who was there? Who was preaching? Was it my friend? And so I bet it wasn't. And so, you know, she, she went to church. Then she says, hey, we're coming to Ottawa. This is like 2019. She says, I'm coming to Ottawa. Rick, my stepfather, her husband, we're going to come. And he made a decision for Christ too, her husband. And so they come to Ottawa and she's like, but I want you to baptise me when I come. And, and now I love this baptism. This is one of the nicest baptism pools that I've ever seen. When you walked in before with your clothes on, from where I was, I thought you were getting wet. I was like, yo, take your shoes off, bro. You know, like crazy. But guys, he's, he's not wet because, um, oh, I'm going to get the stage wet. Sorry. Oh, we're not, not too bad. Um, 
and we don't have a baptism pool at the church where we, um, where we rent the space for our church uh, in Ottawa. So I was like, we could go to the beach or I could bring in a pool, you know, I could rent a pool uh, and baptise you in the church. Or we could go to this local pond by my house. We swim there all the time, it's cool. And she goes, yeah, let's do the, let's do the pool. Let's do the pond, I mean. And it was November. <laughs> First time in Canada. So I'm hustling, trying to find a wetsuit, you know what I mean? I'm trying my best to try and find like just anything, like anti-hypothermic devices, you know? <laughs> she comes, we walk down from my house, just two kilometres from my house, go into the pool. I, you know, she's got as many clothes on as she can put on. We go in the water, baptise her. She comes out. And I just felt like, uh, I felt like in that moment I saw her and I felt like the baptism wiped away many, many years from her face. Like she came out looking young, like she looked like, the photos I saw when she was married and had me like many, many years ago. And I just felt like God was like, man, I'm just going to return the years that the locusts have stolen from her life, you know? And it was, a, it was a beautiful, it was a powerful moment, powerful moment. And my kids who at that point hadn't yet been baptised are watching her be baptised. And I'm thinking like, I was such a bad teenager. Like I was the worst. Like I, I caused her panic and trouble. This one time I came home and I, no one was home. I was a teenager. And so I just went next door. There, were these, there was this elderly couple who listened to horse racing all the time on Transistor AM radio. And I would hang out with them all the time. And I would go over and I just went and hung out with them. Then I like was in the front room listening to racing. Then I fell asleep and woke up and I came home and the whole house was in a panic because they thought they'd lost me. They thought I'd been kidnapped. I was like, yo, I've just been next door kicking it with the old folks. Like we're all good, you know? <laughs> And then, you know, she had some stern words for me and the flesh and our human nature, we feel like would um, turn us away from God using us or would mean that He can't use us. If I got a, a pre-edited version of the Bible and God asked me for feedback, I would have some feedback because there's some, there's some rotten people who do some bad things that I think we should clean up. But me, like you, my goal would be to create a book full of perfect people. But what good would that be to us? To read about a book full of perfect people. We need to read about a book full of broken people that a perfect person came and made whole and that He can use anybody. If you believe that, you can give God some praise. And so when I read about Elijah, when I read about Elijah in the book of James, Elijah's a man just like me, but he prayed. I'm a man just like me. But I just consistently, persistently and hopefully prayed for my mum for two decades. But it was the, and we'll get to this at the end of the story, but it was the invitation of a friend that got her across the line. Her friend, his name is Chris. He had cancer at the time. He's in his 50s or 60s, came over and said, he said, Wendy, I know you don't go to church. Um, uh, but I know your son's a pastor, so I know it's not news for you, like this whole God dynamic, but I, I know you don't go to church, but I'm getting baptised. Would you come and support me? So her and Rick went along and supported him. He got baptised. A few months later, he passed away. The lasting legacy of his life, maybe the last thing that he did before he got his affairs in order was he was sure to be that last link on the chain of my mum's journey. But who knows that every conversation, every prayer and every moment got her to that point. You've got neighbours and friends and families and high school buddies and people you went to university with and, and people that have moved to different provinces and different countries and Facebook friends 
that you feel like, what difference can I make? And you can make a heck of a difference in their life. Because if we can just get someone just to the next link in the chain, if we can just play our role, it might be the last one, it might be the first one. But he was a man just like us, but he prayed. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. We can do miraculous things. But I guess the most important first step on that journey is that jar represents that you and me are just regular people working with a supernatural God. This, which leads us to our second point. The Bible then says he gives them a jar, but then he gives them a torch, a fire. <laughs> when I think about the fire and when I think about that represents the presence of God, 2 Chronicles, uh, Corinthians 4.17 says, but we have this treasure in the jar of clay. So we're that jar, but inside the jar is treasure. It's fire. The Bible says that it's an all-surpassing power that comes from God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and lives in you. Your tent or your temporary body is a jar of clay, but in you is great power. And that power is the presence of God. The Bible says that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That might not mean much to you, but it means a lot to the people that built temples in their day. That might not mean much to you, but it means a lot to the people who established and built using cornerstones and rocks and built the most ornate and beautiful. If you read the book of Leviticus and you see the, the energy and the pattern that's been used to build temples and places of worship. And God there says, all of that majesty and nobility and power and beauty is in you. That you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. I travelled 12 months ago to a... Um, a monastery, Eastern Orthodox Christian monastery with monks. And I wanted to spend three days with these monks because I wanted God to speak to me. I was praying and I was asking God to speak to me in my life. And when I got there, before I got to the sanctuary, they had this beautiful church building. I was sleeping in this like, um, like a dorm room, really kind of just a regular room, kind of smelly to be honest. And a bit scary because it was empty. There was no one there and I was nervous and I get afraid of the dark sometimes. And so I was feeling isolated and alone and I hadn't yet got to the sanctuary, to the temple to hear from God. And I'd come for the specific purpose of hearing from Him. And I sat in my room and there was nothing in there. There's no electronics to speak of, nothing to do. Went for a run, came back, sat outside, had a glass of water, opened up my Bible. Bang, God speaks to me. I'm saying, God, I haven't gone to church yet. I'm still in my room. And I felt like God speak. And He says, Levi, are you going to the temple or are you a temple? Like, I'm glad you're at church today because at church, you can mentally get in the right space. You can be around friends and family. You can sing and be led by Chris and the team. I can't even, I can't even shine the shoes of these singers up here. I can't even, I don't even, what a note is, I don't even know. But when I'm here, I'm lifted, I'm elevated, I'm filled with His presence. But at the end of the day, I am a walking, talking, by His grace, temple of the what? Of the Holy Spirit. That you were given a jar, but the Bible says that He then gave them a torch. A fire is a funny thing, isn't it? Heat is funny because heat causes damage. I was here a couple of years back. Was that last year or year before? And we, we and it was like me and Joel, I, I get, to get off the plane and he's like, hey man, how you going? And I was like, great, you know, glad to be here, can't wait. And I walked outside, he goes, hey, before we get outside, I'm sorry. And I was like, sorry for what? He goes, bro, there's so much smoke in our city. And it was my first time in Edmonton. 
says your first time, the city's great. Like he was like, honestly, Edmonton's the best, but it's so smoky right now. I was like, oh, don't even worry about it. I thought it was like cigarette smoke. I was like, don't even worry about it. You know, if you smoke, we'll pray for you. You know, it's fine, you know. And get outside. And you remember there was like bushfires from somewhere and the wind bringing it in. There was smoke everywhere. Smoke causes, fire causes damage. It makes an impact. I'll never forget one time we had, a, uh, we, had we got four kids. Our firstborn son, Ryder, was at home with Nadia. She calls me up. She says, hey, did you leave the stove on this morning? And I was like, Oh, but I think so. I don't think so, but maybe. She says, I said, why do you why do you think that? She says, Well, I just put my hand on it and my hand is burned. I said, How do you know it's burned? She's quite calm. I was like, What do you mean it's burned? She goes, My whole hand is white. She put it, she put it, she sizzled it right on the top of the thing. But in the morning, she can be a little slow. Not slow. You just <laughs> I went like this. I don't mean that. I don't mean that slow. I mean just, well, yeah, I do mean that slow, you know, just like, you know. Decision-making, decision-making, you know. I think the caffeine hasn't kicked in and, the, and the, the signals to the hand back to the brain. The brain's like, I think your hand is on something hot. And the hand's like, I don't think so. I think it's fine. Brain's like, I'm pretty sure it's burning, you know. Nose is like, I can smell it. I can smell something burning, you know. So she says, my hand is completely white. It's burned. I was like, I, I, I said this. I feel so bad for saying it. I said, could be leprosy. Could be anything. You never know. She says, no, it's... it's went to the hospital, they had wrapped it in this solution and this bandage and they were, we were talking through the next steps and they said, um, she said, do you want to keep your wedding ring and engagement ring? And Nadi's like, for sure. She says, so you, we can either cut it off or take it off. She says, don't cut it. And I was like, don't cut it. It cost me a lot of money. Like, you got to keep that thing intact. So she go, they go, okay, take this laughing gas, take a big deep breath. This is really going to hurt. And then they, they peeled off her wedding ring, but it took all the skin off from her... Not good, hey? I've never felt so bad in my life. So I literally am praying that God would heal her hand. Now, the great news is, is that God healed her hand. And her left hand, you wouldn't even tell, you wouldn't look at it. If you heard the story, then you'd say, Nadia, show me your hand, which would be weird if you said that. If you saw it and you said, show me your left hand, she'd be like, okay, don't talk to me. Like, get me out of here, you know? <laughs> Completely healed. But the reason why I bring up that story, and it's a fairly long-winded story to make this point, is this. When you touch fire and when you touch hot things, it leaves a scar on your life. It physically burns. But God says in Hebrews, I am a consuming fire. But we know, now there are no pictures of Jesus in this room, but when I was in a Baptist church growing up, when I was a teenager, there were these massive pictures of Jesus. He looked like a Swedish hippie running through. He had lambs around him, like a wheat field, like gladiator, but without the destruction. Like it was like, and I was like, yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a nice, blonde hair man, blue eyes. What a nice guy. And then I read that God, our Father, says He's fire. And I like a s'more. Don't get me wrong. I like a campfire. But when you touch it, it burns. And God says, I'm going to give through Gideon a picture of this jar, your humanity, but then I'm also going to give you this powerful presence that lives on the inside of you and that's represented by the torch and that's the fire of God. He gave to the people that day the most precious thing that He could give them and that was God's presence. When you leave this place, I do certainly hope that you enjoyed the preaching. I do. I hope you do. hope you leave me a Google review. I hope you do. I'm just joking, of course. But if you did, I want it to be good. 
But at the end of the day, the most important thing is this, is that your eyes are focused on the Lord and that you're filled with His presence and that the church can move forward and be empowered. He gave them a jar. He gave them a torch. But then lastly, friends, He gives them another instrument. He gives them this, this trumpet, which we've talked about in our, in our understanding. We've talked about this recorder, this wind instrument. In the Scriptures, though, when we read about trumpets and we read about wind instruments, we read about not something that we get in elementary school that makes us tone deaf. We read about instruments of declaration and praise. We read about instruments of testimony. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 11 says this, they triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb. And this, this gets me, this, 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 this last part gets me. They triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. And note this last part, by the word of their testimony. I don't know if there are anyone here who's studied economics or can give us a fraction breakdown or a percentage breakdown of how much of the blood and how much of, of the word of the testimony gets us victory. Because surely it's 99% blood. Some people have ego to think it's 99% testimony, 1% blood. We know you're wrong. But the Scripture, throw, throw, throw the Scripture out just one more time for us. It doesn't give us a percentage breakdown. It just says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and a conjunction in the middle of a sentence and the word of their testimony, which means that our job is to partner with God and the work that He's done, but the work is not complete until we share it. Sorry, I'm moving too quick. I'll slow down because we had a right and an amen, but, but God's doing something right now. The Bible says in, in Revelation 12, 11, that by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they have victory. It doesn't say by the blood they have victory or by the testimony they have victory. They say there's a partnership between the two. Faith and works like a hand in glove, Eugene Peterson says about the book of James that when we partner with God and the things that He's done, there is victory. God is working all the time. My question is, are we talking about it? God is doing great things all the time. My question is, are we declaring what He's doing? The Senator's ice hockey team are so bad. The last time they won a championship, I think the banner says 1927. <laughs> Yesterday I found out that they made a good signing you know, uh, while Price signing some guy whose name I can't pronounce for five million a year, scored 30 goals last year, amazing. We trumpet the good news of things that mean nothing because the Senate is signing a guy, they'll still be the worst team in the league next season. <laughs> but when God does great things, we don't pay Him no mind and we don't talk about it, but we have a trumpet. The Bible says that that is smash the jar, release the torch and blow the trumpet. My question is this, are you blowing the trumpet? In your life, when God does great things, are you blowing the trumpet? Are you declaring the things that God has done? Are you telling people the great things that He did? They'll ask you tomorrow, what did you do in the weekend? Because that's what people ask on a Monday. Crazy weather, right? Eh? Pretty hot. How's that nice breeze coming in? what did you guys do in the weekend? That's it, that's your one, two, three tomorrow. Be prepared because when they ask, you can say whatever you want, but you might wanna say, Oh man, I go to a local church called Celebration. It's a good place, man. Met my spouse there. We got our kids love it. Met some friends. We have a great time. These people got water baptized. Might sound strange to you. Um, now that I say it out loud, it is kind of weird. 
It's like a really short swim, you know what I mean? (laughs) But this is what it is and this is why they did it. And we just begin to trumpet the good things that God is doing in our life. I'll close with the Scripture. It says this, Romans 10 verse 15. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In these olden times, what would happen is there would be a skirmish or a battle or a war happening. And I would wanna know how it's going. And they would send a scout back to the location to tell the people how the war was going. But you and I both know that if someone's coming from a war to tell us how it's going and it wasn't going very well, we wouldn't need to look past the bloody clothes, the rips and and the body falling apart and a limbless person running to tell us the bad news to know that the news is not good. On the other hand, we wouldn't need to look further than the fact that this person sprinting like Eliud Kupchoge, running like a gazelle in the wilderness with fresh Nikes to tell us the great news about the victory that we're having. Because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You don't, need to, you don't even need to wait to hear what they have to say. You're just looking and straight away we know, oh man, the news is bad. Oh, we need to send reinforcements. This is the worst. I'm gonna have to go. We're definitely losing. But when they bound over the hills and they leap and they've got a look on their face that says we're, we're winning, then all of us is full of celebration and testimony because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Spoiler alert. I don't know if you've read the Bible and no shade if you haven't. It's not about that. Today might've been the only Bible you read today. That's okay. But at the end of the book, it's crazy. At the end of the book, we win. Okay, not only that, and that's not even the point. As soon as Jesus died and rose again, we won. That's crazy. So we, we, we win, like that's, I don't get that. We win at the end, but two millennia ago we won. So I'm, I'm right in the middle of two victories. So I go from victory, not for victory. I don't live for the win, I already have it. And so because I already have it, I can declare the good things that God has done in my life because I'm winning, not because of me, because I'm clay, but because of His presence that's in me and my job is to partner with Him because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Tomorrow at work, people shouldn't even need to ask. They should see, dang, what, what did you do in the weekend? How great, was, how great is your life? What's wrong with you? There's a, there's a righteous envy that might be established in others because we're living in Christ's victory in our lives. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Levi, like I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I, I came with a friend or I'm, I'm not right with God. I'm away from Him. I'm distant, I'm not connected to the Lord. Or you're here today and this whole thing is new. Everything about what we're doing here today is brand new to you. We are so glad you're here. And the start of your journey could be today. And you can walk and grow in your relationship with Christ, water baptism maybe around the corner for you, being a part of a small group, connecting in with this great church. But if you're here today, I would love to be a part of that first step in your journey. I'd love to pray with you. to to see if we can figure out that relationship with God together. Pray that prayer and start that journey. So if that's you today, I'd love to pray with you before I close. Would you mind closing your eyes? Every person, if that's okay, 
just for privacy. Now, if you're here, you're saying, that's me, I need Jesus in my life. I'm not right with God, I'm not walking with Him. I'm away from God. Levi, I do not have a relationship with Jesus today. If that's you, friend, I would love to pray a very simple prayer and believe that in that moment, your life can be changed forever. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer in just one moment. But before I pray, and then before I hand back to Joel, I would love it if I could just know who I'm praying for. And so in just one second, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to lift up your hand. And as you lift your hand, I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it, you can put it down and then we'll pray this prayer. So if that's you, front to back and side to side. You're saying, I need Jesus, lift it up on the count of three. One, two, three, if that's you right now. Yeah, great, great, amazing, amazing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool, great, 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 excellent, awesome. Ah, oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, okay, there are hands on, on all over the auditorium and every section on every side. That's, that's amazing. If you've lifted your hand, you can put it down. And we're gonna pray a very simple prayer today, but I want everyone, even those who didn't raise their hand to support those who have by praying this prayer with me together. And the prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to You. I need You in my life. I ask You, forgive me of my sin. And I thank You that You do. I thank You, Jesus. I thank You, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.